the maybe the largest threat that I see or that we see in the economy right now is a massive outbreak of COVID in China. Once more unto the breach, dear friend. Else fill up the wall with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and Jeff McClure. Uh, today we will talk about such things as dreary science and other exciting things like currency exchange. So stay How about tuned. NTFs? Can we talk about ETFs? We will also talk NFTs, about NFTs, NFTs, ETFs, non-fungible non tokens. Right, right. So we will talk about other acronyms that other people don't understand, and that should be exciting. But before we do, we have an extra exciting bit of information, and that is our disclosures. Mm. Which, uh, number one, this is the Personal Wealth Coach, a radio program. Right a podcast, but also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. Really? Uh, I know. It sounds shocking, doesn't it? Right, it is. Um, the SEC doesn't say, you guys are cool at any point in any of our filings, nor do they say, you guys are really horrible at any point in our, our filings. We're more proud about the second part than the first part, but they don't give us any kind of thumbs up because we're registered with them. They're just our regulator. Number two, this uh, we're registered to give investment advice, but we don't do that on the air because in order to give fiduciary investment advice, we have to know you all. And while it has been said that we are our only audience, um, know thyself is difficult. So um, we can't give advice on the air unless we know all of you. And what's more, we still can't, even if we knew you all, unless we got a document from you all saying it was okay to share the advice with all the rest of you for your specific advice. So uh, we'll get those forms out to you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, we can. I've got another one. You go ahead. Go ahead. Since we're providing educational information and not investment advice on this radio program, we need to tell you that the information that we provide is educational information has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. And you have no idea how long it took me to be able to say that clearly. Well, you've been saying it clearly for so long, or at least clearly unclearly. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, right. And the last bit of information that we should give you, as riveting and interesting as the prior disclosures, is that we don't pay for this radio program. I'm shocked. Ah, it's horrible, horrible. Uh, they don't also pay us for this radio program. We've been doing this radio program since 1996 on KTEM 1400. The podcast is a much more recent thing. Podcast was something you said in horror movies about people whose brains had been taken over. Uh, and now it has to do with um, things you stick in your ear and, and wander around glazed-eyed listening to something no one else can hear. Yeah, so that, that is, uh, I think that was all of our disclosures. Hey, we have a question from John. We do. 
Inquisitor John, our most faithful questioner, has one of my favorite questions he's ever asked. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do you want to read it or do you want me to read it? Uh, what he says, any additional ones use use guys think should be added to this list. Now he said use guys. Use guys. Yeah. He's use guys. Minnesota or Pennsylvania should be good. Use guys. Well, I think it maybe it's kind of New Jersey. Could be New Jersey. Should be Chicago. I use guys. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a, the question is got a circled uh, section from the Wall Street Journal from the column, the intelligent investor, Jason Sweet, or Zweig. I don't know which it's pronounced. The headline is um, the secret to braving a wild stock market. Right. And it's a good subject at this point. And the area he has circled. Great investors possess seven cardinal virtues, curiosity, skepticism, discipline, independence, humility, patience, and above all courage. Now that's a quote from one of our heroes, mm-hmm. John Temple, Sir, Sir John Templeton. They say Mr. Templeton in the Wall Street Journal because they, they're right. not going to give any kind of honorific. Um, in in the, the column mentions that it doesn't normally, recently it's not taken a lot of courage to invest, but there are times when it does. And they mention in here, we've talked about this before, that John Templeton borrowed $10,000 in 1938. No, 39, I think it was, 1939. It's the only money he said he ever borrowed, which, by the way, was one heck of a lot of money in 1939. And he said, and he gave his broker instructions to buy every, buy $100 worth of every stock on the New York Stock Exchange selling for less than $1 per share. Now, that was in, the depression was still going on at that point. And the broker reported back, says, I bought uh, every, every company, I bought 100 shares from every company selling for under a dollar a share except those that are bankrupt. And John Templeton went back to him and says, no, buy the bankrupt ones too. So he did. And John Templeton turned that into a tremendous amount of money. I don't remember the exact number, but it was a tremendous amount of money. It was the beginning of his fortune and the beginning of a career as arguably one of, if not the best investors in the 20th century. And John wants to know if we have any other virtues that should be added to that and i got thinking about it and i really couldn't i think i mean it, if you listen to the each one curiosity check that i mean you absolutely need to be curious to understand what the market is and what you're buying in the market skepticism don't believe everything you're told doubt it figure it out yourself use that curiosity again discipline once you've made a decision stick with it unless something knowledgeably changes about what you're doing Keep to your discipline. That should be part of your discipline. Independence. Don't go with the crowds. Another quote from him on that subject is, I believe in being a conscientious investor. When the market wishes to sell, I oblige them and I buy. And when the market wishes to buy, I oblige them and I sell. So independence is absolutely vital. Humility. Focus in on that one. That means... The, the prototypical uh, crypto bro, 
the prototypical guy that's telling you at a party or gal, I guess I've just not heard it with quite as much um, arrogance from from the female persuasion, uh, how well they've done recently. That's really, really a danger sign for the, the fruits in the future. Humility is important. Recognizing in yourself that you can make bad decisions. That's important. Uh, patience and above all courage. I got a whole bunch of things that shouldn't be on that list, but it's really hard to come up with more to go on that list. That is, uh, you know, John, I said this is one of my favorite questions you've ever asked because it goes with something. If you use the same concepts politically, the same concepts in business, kind of across the board, those are, that's kind of the definition of what's required to be truly professional about anything that you're doing. You need to be able to stand by your curiosities, skepticism, discipline, independence, humility, patience, and courage. I mean, it's just, I realize it sounds like a Boy Scout oath or something, but it is not requiring, there's some things in here that aren't required. You're not required to be honest. This is something Warren Buffett said very recently. Um, I can't find any good buys right now. And if you look back at every time Warren Buffett has said that in the last 20 years, he's in the process of buying something worth lots of billions of dollars. Um, the only reason he says it is either negotiation or to, you know, to sneak up on everybody. So honesty, while I believe it's important, it isn't required to be a good investor. Um, well, ethics in your dishonesty are required. Warren Buffett's not saying anything that will hurt anyone in his misleading <laughs> statements about not finding things to buy. What were you going to add? I'm not there? completely sure that he is being misleading at that point. I, I think he's looking. He hasn't found anything to buy, and maybe except for the things he's already buy. buying. Yeah, that, that could be. He's out of things to buy at that point. Right. He's already making um, deals, and he's out of money to buy with at that point, maybe. The honesty, I think, is, is critically important for, for, a, for an investor. But oh, honesty's not on this list. And that's I the one that, that I was like, well, should it be? Should it be? Yes. And here's why. One of the problems that I have read again and again and again from people who have the background and experience to know what they're talking about, including last night from Russia's former foreign minister who knew Vladimir Putin quite well. The problem with propaganda, with, with posting lies and saying lies, even if you're a salesperson um, stretching and bending the truth to sell your stuff, is you have a tendency when you're dishonest with other people to be dishonest with yourself. Yeah, you start believing, you're drinking your own Kool-Aid. And being dishonest with yourself is a very, very poor way to be an investor uh, because you will convince yourself that something is good that is not good and you will convince yourself that something is bad that is not bad. Uh, part of the, but I think it, honesty falls under humility and discipline. And I think it's important to be honest, honest with yourself and honest with other people about what you're doing. Um, and, and, and the reason I say that, it, there's one of the things that I think is important 
when I make an investment decision, and I do a lot of investment deciding. That's amazing. One of, amazing. That's kind of what we do for a living. One of my And I look at that, and there's any – sometimes it's very, very clear. Okay, this is a very clear decision. This is a black and white yes and no issue. Otherwise, I go to Jake, and I say, here's what I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? I get other people's advice, and that's part of humility and discipline. But it's also part of honesty. Yeah. One of the first questions we ask each other when we're talking about a new decision on here was, where am I wrong? Can you point out where I'm wrong here? Because we admit it's especially on something new. We're going to be wrong somewhere. Complicated things are complicated for, because they're complicated. And it's not easy to pick them all up and say, I know all of this. Recognize that you can be wrong all the time. And that's okay. That's how you proceed to being right later. Behaviorally, this is fantastic. People, I think, uh, people in, and this just focus in on this and then I'll hand it right back. People are far more likely after a year to remember the correct answer on a bet when they didn't win the bet than they are to remember the correct answer if they won the bet. There's lots of studies on this, but you are far more likely to remember something that you were wrong about. That's how you learn. It is the way to learn. So to knock yourself off from the humility of recognizing you can be wrong is to just set your el- yourself up for failure in the future, unless you're just really lucky. I'm back to And you. I think the, the issue of honesty and discipline goes together really, really importantly for, for the typical retirement-oriented investor today, whether they're in retirement or out. And we've run into this over the years. We've run into people, or not run into, we've encountered people who said, yes, I'm going to leave my money invested. Here's the strategy we're going to follow. We're going to follow that strategy. And no matter what the market does, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave it there because I look at history and realize that market timing doesn't work. And then in some cases, when the market falls, we get telephone calls saying, hey, uh, I can't stand this. I want out of the market because I think it's going to go to zero. It's important to be honest with yourself. If you can't handle a down market, if the market, and when I say a down market, let's just say the S&P 500 drops 50%. And let's just assume your portfolio drops 50% with it. Look at what you've got, particularly if you're in retirement or approaching retirement. And let's just say you got a million dollars in your in your 401k, and you know that 4% is a good withdrawal rate if you have a well-diversified 401k, according to history and literature. Uh, it may or may not apply to you, but we'll just say that. So you can take $40,000 a year out of there with some degree of comfort, and you're happy. And the market drops 50% and you you watch it drop and you watch it drop and you watch it drop and your million dollars becomes $500,000 and the market's still headed down. What will you do? And that's critical to be honest with yourself at that point. And if you say at that point, I'm bailing out, Did then you, sh- you don't need to be in the market. That's right. That's right. Because, because this has happened twice <laughs> Yeah, twice. in my career. Three uh, times in my career. A 50% drop happened just two years ago. 
I mean, we had a drop of 50% in the market. People have whitewashed that from their memory because it's all part of the pandemic in their mind. But we had a 50% drop. By the way, those of you that aren't, you know, I have, I have read that um, uh, nine-fifths of Americans are bad at fractions. So um, <laughs> <laughs> a 50% drop is half. Um, and, and I represent that. Fractional math is no fun. Um, I, I am extremely good at math. I, I can say that I've worked really hard at being good at math, but when I do fifth grade math or third grade math, I get the answer wrong because they present fractions inside of fractions and non-fractions next to them. And the order of operations doesn't work when you've got a fraction because you've got to divide somewhere in the middle of it. And yeah, so when you're not dealing with all fractions, it's stupid and no or i am anyway uh all that saying is that 50 percent drops happen in in the market you can be more conservative and maybe not have dropped quite as far but if you find yourself you know, this I, I i read this in an article this morning uh about china about people selling the Chinese uh, investments across the board over the last uh, month or so, they've just been dumping it. And they're not concerned about how much they're losing. They're just concerned about de-risking their portfolio. And I hear de-risking as they shouldn't have been there to begin with if they're ready to dump this because suddenly they realize that China is a totalitarian state um, it's not like they have really converted into that recently it's they're just more open about it they're more open about how closed they are there we go so what do you have to talk that is exciting here we already talked about the fact that inflation is likely to be more rather than less um there's a lot of things there's a lot of moving parts going on in the economy i guess the the big thing and we mentioned this in the newsletter but it's very important the united states economy is currently running at about the maximum it can run given the infrastructure that we have both globally and internally in the united states it is running pretty much at top speed and in fact wouldn't hurt a lot for it to slow down just a little bit. Uh, I know that sounds a little strange. The manufacturing PMI, uh, which is the Purchasing Managers Index um, that was announced this week um, from IHS Markets Market, there'll be another one come out in a few days, was 57.3. Anything above 50 is generally considered to be well, it is. It's growth in in the in the purchasing man purchasing managers index. Why is the purchasing managers index important? The purchasing managers at companies, be they service companies or uh, other companies, are the people who the executives go to and look and say, "Look, our orders are up. We need more stuff to either make stuff or sell stuff because they have to have physical stuff." That's economics term, uh, on hand to either make something to sell or to sell things. And so they go to the purchasing managers in advance and say, buy more stuff. And the purchasing managers have a really good idea thereby 
on where things are going in their businesses. And if you survey a lot of purchasing managers, lo and behold, you find out what direction the economy is likely to go over the next 30 to 60 days. It's at 57.3, the purchasing managers index. The services purchasing managers index, the services, which are obviously different manufacturing, 56.5, business confidence, 58.6, the composite PMI, 55.9. 55 is about as high as it can run over historically over an extended period of time because when we get above 55, we're basically running too hot. So it's probably a good idea to slow things down just a little bit. And in fact, they have slowed down just a little bit because last year, the purchasing managers' indices were up in the 60s, which was a recovery from the pandemic and not sustainable over a long. Matter of fact, July uh, 2001, it was up like 63, which is not sustainable. It went back to 55 in January, which people said, oh, no, the economy's slowing down. No, the economy wasn't slowing down. It's accelerating at a, at a lesser rate, but it's still accelerating. And now we're up to 57. This is what we're seeing across the economy. Uh, in case you didn't read this, you probably don't read this stuff. We do. Walmart announced they're hiring 50,000 new workers. Now, not only are they hiring 50,000 new workers, the starting pay is like $18.70 an hour, something like that. Um, some people will make more. Amazon. What was it, 130,000? I think it was Amazon said they were going to be hiring in the immediate future or they're opening up jobs and want to hire at their distribution center. And they're paying pretty much the same thing as much as $30 an hour for starters. Now, there's a negative and the positive to that. The, the, the positive, and it's a huge positive, is that these major Walmart and Amazon constitute the heart of consumer. Uh, activity in the United States. In the United States, GDP is about two-thirds consumer, which is good. Uh, we can talk about that, too, if you'd like. Um, it's far better to have us buying stuff from us than it is us dependent upon somebody else buying stuff from us because the somebody else can stop buying stuff from us, and Russia has just discovered what happens when people stop buying things from, you, uh, from, them, from them, and they're in a world of hurt. One of the things we talked about last hour... I want to point it out again because the maybe the largest threat that I see or that we see in the economy right now is a massive outbreak of COVID in China. Uh, we we are relatively well vaccinated. We are uh, there's a lot of folks that have gotten the disease that didn't get vaccinated, so they have a different form of the immunity. We're doing well, and what we're seeing in the newest versions of COVID in the Western world, the vaccinated world, is that they're leading to fewer hospitalizations, but they're becoming more contagious. It's, it's beginning to look more like the flu. It's still not there yet, and there's still possibilities for other mutations popping out and making it nasty, nasty again. That's not true in China, and they have the ability, because they're so poorly vaccinated there, because they're not set up to be immune in any way, they were so effective early on in not getting it, that it has the potential to mutate again to something completely scary. 
And we don't want that. We want China to get vaccinated. And that should be a push right now, I think, to get vaccines to China. They won't accept American they won't, vaccines. They won't accept it. Yeah. And there's some, there are a couple of black swans flying around out there. Black swans are bad things that happened that nobody expected. And we now kind of expect them, which means they're turning white. But we didn't expect them a year ago. So let's put it like that. Earlier, I think last year and certainly early this year, we said that the forward momentum in the United States economy could be derailed by some things. One of them was that the Fed would go crazy and try to slam the economy. Well, they've said very clearly they're not going to do that. So that's out the door. Uh, another one we were concerned about is uh, Russia invading Ukraine. Yeah. Moody's has three scenarios for that. Um, and and they do a good job of forecasting things. And they don't forecast one thing. They said, if this happens, then that will happen. And they've been pretty right about that. They've got three scenarios for the invasion of Ukraine. One is the Russians decide this was really a bad idea and they back out. That's the good scenario. There's the middle road scenario uh, in which the conflict drags into 2023. Oil prices remain above $100 for the rest of the year. Gas prices stay above $4. We can probably power through that one without too much trouble. Then there's the bad scenario, and that is Russia doubles down. And there's some very, very good articles. One of them was in the very good article in The Economist uh, this week from people who really do understand this kind of stuff better than I do about the potential for a nuclear release. And when I say nuclear release, this is one of the black swans that there's not a lot of discussion about it, but that would be a bad thing. When I say nuclear release, I don't mean intercontinental ballistic missiles. Let me give you an example. There are, Russia has hundreds and we have, Russia may have over a thousand. We have hundreds of very small tactical nuclear weapons very widely dispersed, including in Europe. I say very small. They're, they're man-portable. You can literally carry one around in a big suitcase-looking thing. Not that I would want to. They have a few hundred thousand, a few hundred tons, rather, of, or, or a few thousand tons, very small, 0.4, 400 tons of TNT equivalent. And if Russia gets frustrated enough in Ukraine, they may decide to use one on a city in Ukraine. That begins the bad scenario, because at that point, public opinion in the West is probably going to tilt towards confronting Russia. Russia would probably think it will make Ukraine collapse and surrender and NATO back off. I don't think that will actually happen. I think it will just scare people so badly that it will force a confrontation with Russia. That's a black swan that I am concerned about. I would say there is a significant, well, a matter of fact, the article said a 10% probability. Well, 10% is not much, but a year ago it was 0% or close enough to 0% that it wasn't measurable. That's a black swan. Another black swan. Uh, let me say where that term comes from, by the way. Um, early natural scientists in Europe would use terms because they thought swans were beautiful. Um, but they would use terms like that's as likely as a black swan. Well, there are no black swans in Europe which is to say that's never going to happen. Well, when Australia and New Zealand were discovered, they discovered that there are no white swans there. There are only black swans. So the term black swan has come to mean that which was supposed to be impossible happened. So black swans 
are floating out there in you know the the majority opinion of the world prior to the invasion of Ukraine is Putin's not going to do it. Black Swan happened. Okay, so now we have the definition. Where is that coming from? So go ahead. So one of the things that when we say that everything looks like it's running along smoothly and we talk about possible black swans, which is a contradiction in and of itself, because um, it's supposed to be impossible, but it's low probability events that if they happen could really mess up our forecasts, is that's what we're talking about. And it looks like we have the right, the ability to power through things as they are very nicely. However, if Russia starts popping nukes, and one of the things they announced this week that didn't make big headlines, but it's very important, is Putin said very clearly that he considers that any supply effort or, re- or convoy that is supplying Ukraine with weapons is a valid target. He didn't say in Ukraine. In other words, a convoy crossing Poland with Stinger missiles or uh, Javelin missiles to take out tanks destined for Ukraine, he in essence said was a valid target for Russia. That would be a bad thing and that would take take everything off the table and that's the wild card. The other one, and Jake talked about this, Omicron, China's policy is pretty rigid about the way they're dealing with COVID and that is shut everything down when there's a COVID case, one case. The problem with that is if COVID gets as out of control in the rest of China as it's gotten out of control in Hong Kong, it involves shutting the entire country down, which, and Jake talked about this last hour, and just be aware that it's a very real threat. That would shut down a lot of stuff that we're dependent upon. And when it got shut down, it would cause inflation to go up, our producti- our production to go down, and could generate a recession. So you got a couple of, of, of wild cards out there. Uh, and we're about out of time this week. Good news across the board, except for all the bad news. Hmm. Democracy's the the worst of all governments out there, except for all the others. Yeah. So like that. that sounds sounds like a winner to me. If you and look- this is the personal wealth coach, and we are also uh, SEC registered investment advisors. We manage portfolios for people who are independently wealthy generally. And you can contact us off the air. We have voicemail on the weekends, live people during the week at 254-947-1111 or toll free 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to the webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. Sign up for our newsletter there. Contact us through the contact form. Our radio programs are listed there going back lots of time. We've got podcasts out there. Until next week, this has been the personal wealth coach.